Listening to New England Public Media News, I'm Adam Frenier, and this is the shortlist NEPM's Week in Review. Joining us today on the line, making her debut on the shortlist, Christine Stewart, editor in chief with CT News Junkie. Welcome, Christine. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined today by a rather familiar voice, Mike Dobbs, managing editor with the Reminder Newspapers. Good to talk to you again, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity. Yesterday, possession of adult-use recreational marijuana became legal in Connecticut. That's after the General Assembly and Governor Ned Lamont signed off on the legislation last month. Recreational sales aren't expected to begin for another year or so, but they've been going on in Massachusetts for a while. Jacob Black, manager at Holyoke Cannabis, says he expects to see even more Connecticut license plates in the parking lot. We definitely anticipate quite the influx of business. And I'm glad that more and more states are starting to go legal, so it removes some of the stigma surrounding cannabis and some of those fears that people do have. So, Christine, what do you think about this idea about Connecticut residents looking more to Massachusetts for the time being? Yeah, well, it's the only place that they're going to be able to buy it legally uh, right now. So they're going to go over the border and they're going to bring it back home uh, because it's a regulated product there in Massachusetts. And so you know exactly what you're getting. And I think that those who uh, want to maybe possibly try cannabis or those who are already cannabis users um, appreciate the fact that they they know what they're getting. And I think that Massachusetts is going to see a lot of business because it is going to take a long time for Connecticut to set up its regulatory process um, for this to be sold, bought and sold in Connecticut. Mike, could a little cannabis competition between the two states be a good thing? Well, I think uh, competition within any uh, consumer industry is a good thing. And um, uh, I can I can only imagine that we will see probably, uh, I'm sure the folks in Connecticut are going to see an increase in advertising uh, for the for the time being for Massachusetts dispensaries. Um, I know as I go down on the highway that you do see this uh, all the time, uh, billboards in the Hartford area advertising cannabis in Massachusetts. I'm sure that will continue, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's more marketing efforts. Shifting gears, a new report said Springfield is no longer the asthma capital of the U.S. That's according to the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, which placed the city as the 12th worst place for someone with asthma to live. Springfield had been at the top of the last two reports. Sarita Hudson is with the Public Health Institute of Western Massachusetts. She says healthcare workers have been working with residents on ways to reduce asthma triggers. It's really bridging clinic and community by getting folks who are from the community to be involved in the education. Mike, were you surprised by this news? Uh, I was surprised and I was uh, surprised happily. I think this is great. There's been a lot of emphasis in trying to improve air quality in the greater Springfield area. And obviously uh, that emphasis and that work has now paid off that while we still do have problems and we still must take things seriously, at the same time, we've seen progress. And I think that that is absolutely tremendous. Christine in Connecticut, New Haven was listed as fifth worst in the country. That's a few spots worse than the last report. Hartford improved a little and is now 17th. Have asthma rates been something that's been on the radar of state officials in Connecticut? 
It has been on the radar of state officials. I mean, we have this whole um, transportation climate initiative to lower emissions in the transportation sector. Um, that has been a big focus uh, statewide. Uh, you know, I think that uh, emissions have gone down uh, during the COVID pandemic because there were just a lot fewer vehicles uh, on the road and the transportation sector being the biggest contributor to emissions in the state. It was something that they were aimed at, at trying to get rid of. But at the same time, the legislature decided not to codify Governor Lamont's signing of that memorandum. Uh, so at the moment, we will not be joining the Transportation Climate Initiative. Also this week, a large mass vaccination site in Hartford closed its doors as demand has slowed for COVID-19 shots and officials try a more targeted community approach. And in Massachusetts, the mass vac site located at the Eastfield Mall in Springfield will close early next week. It's distributed more than 178,000 shots as the state also transitions to a similar strategy. Christine, should the closure in Hartford be seen as progress or just another step in the vaccination process? I think it's just another step in the vaccination process. I think that there are smaller and smaller pockets of people who are unvaccinated and that they're going to have to try to target those uh, with some community outreach. Um, you know, I think that the the mass, most of the mass vaccination sites, not only the one run by Hartford Hospital here, um, but the also the other ones run by community health centers have closed down as of June 30th. So I think that if you want to be vaccinated, you're going to um, have to do a little work in order to, to find out where, where you can make that happen. Mike, will community and mobile vaccination clinics be effective in reaching people who couldn't make it to the Eastfield Mall in Springfield or are still hesitant about vaccines? Rates in Hamden County remain the lowest in Massachusetts. Yes, uh, we are lagging behind in Hamden County. And in fact, at a recent press conference uh, in Springfield, Governor Baker chalked it up to primarily young people, uh, younger people who, uh, for whatever reason, do not see the need for vaccination. Hamden County also is the youngest county in Massachusetts in terms of its demographics. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really think that we have to take different approaches. I think the approach of trying to bring the vaccine to people, to neighborhoods, has been proven to be uh, pretty effective. Uh, the mass vaccination sites, uh, sites certainly at these few mall, had its problems in terms of scheduling and access and that type of thing. Um, so I think the state and local officials are taking a far more sort of personal uh, viewpoint on how to get people vaccinated. And as we wrap things up this week, recently, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker proposed having a two-month sales tax holiday in August and September instead of the usual one lasting over a weekend. Mike, Democratic leaders and lawmakers are cool to this idea. Quickly, what have you been hearing? I did a survey of a number of state reps and state senators, and overwhelmingly, most of them felt that Massachusetts in the long run could not afford the loss in tax revenues. And while they're uh, supportive of a tax-free weekend, two months seems to be too much for them. Christine, a final thought on this? I know Connecticut usually has a tax-free week. Um, Connecticut does have a tax-free week, and it is not a, a lot of uh, money that they are giving up, and they do see that it's it's worth it um, to the businesses uh, to be able to do a little bit of of extra business during that week. I think you know the the cost to the state is around maybe four million dollars. Christine Stewart with CT News Junkie and Mike Dobbs with the Reminder Newspapers. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. 
And thank you for listening to the Shortlist and EPM's Week in Review. You can catch us at any time, wherever you get your podcasts, or at nepm.org slash podcast hub. I'm Adam Frenier, and this is New England Public Media.